Drawn Podcast Network. Cheers. Oh, yes. Uh, hold on. Let's not do it over the computer. Let's launch it. Ooh. Delicious. It's refreshing. Just like taking seven friends out off the coast of... France. France. The Riviera. The Riviera was in Italy. I think I think you're right. I think the French Riviera is in Italy. Oh, okay. I think that's true. My bad. I don't have my map. Okay. Yeah. No, you're Did right. Did you go to go to uh, ishunterwright.com? Uh huh. The hell we're talking. Oh yeah, our drinks. We were talking about our drinks. Yeah. Hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another Hate Watch Great Watch podcast. That's right. In typical Hate Watch Great Watch fashion, the beginning is a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Who cares? I know. We really pick up steam right near yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> Running start. Yeah, today we're doing a guestless episode on the film The Last of Sheila, 1973. Which, which is a murder mystery, and it's actually pretty good. So, if you haven't seen it, and you can get your paws on it, I would suggest doing that before you go ahead. Yeah, this is, uh, this is well, one of those things where there's going to be spoilers, but it's good, and, you know. As always, when it is something that, like, could actually probably be spoiled... Or really bad, we will tell you either, oh, you should probably watch it first, but this can actually be spoiled because, you know, it's a whodunit. Therefore, finding out whodunit is kind of the whole thing. That's yeah. what the genre is named after. Right. It's part of the journey, and it's going to make it a different experience to go into the film with that knowledge. Right. So. With that in mind, yes. you might want to actually watch this one first if you have the, uh, you know, capacity and ability to do that. Yeah. But if you just want to hear us talk about it, you don't really give a shit. That's cool, too. Or if you've seen it already. Yeah. The Last of Sheila. In, I guess, celebration of that fact, we're enjoying a cocktail suggested by our colleague Liz Locke. Yeah, she is Cinema Sips. That's her social handle on most things, and we'll tag her and all that. But yeah, she watches a film, pairs it with a cocktail, writes about the whole experience, <laughs> and it's great. And this is a very good cocktail. I'm enjoying myself already. It's a Jim Beam smash. Yeah. And you can get the recipe from her site. It's very, it's very appropriate because I was, I was thinking about it while I was making it and stuff. And I'm like, oh, bourbon makes sense. I'm it's like, thematic. And, smash yeah. also makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it tastes like taking seven of your <laughs> elite friends to the Riviera for murder mystery party games. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Last so. of Sheila was written by Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins. Stephen Sondheim, who you might know from the theater. Yeah. From, from musicals. Yes. So he began his career, oh, this is from the Wikipedia, mm -hmm. by writing lyrics for West Side Story and Gypsy. Mm. Best known works include A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, which I don't know, Sweeney Todd, that's one everybody yeah. should probably have heard of, Merrily We Roll Along, I actually don't yeah. know, Sunday in the Park with George, and Into the Woods, That was that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Musical, musical writer. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Perkins, who you might know from... Being Norman Bates in the Psycho movies. Being fucking Norman Bates. <laughs> These are the guys you that might have heard it. of him. He's fucking Norman Bates. Yeah. And they wrote a script because they used to co-host murder mystery parties for their friends. Yes. And the director, well, I don't know how true this is, but the, the trivia I read was that the director, Herbert Ross, was like, hey, you should write it. And then they did. And then he directed Yeah. Uh, he did Footloose and uh, Steel oh, Magnolias. And then did a bunch of like, he was actually more of a choreographer than a director. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for Footloose. I think that's the only thing of his that I have seen. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I knew him from. I was yes. like, ooh, I was like, this motherfucker did Footloose, man. I love Footloose. <laughs> he also directed a Sherlock Holmes film, 7% Solution. Right on. And that would be the only other... You know, like mystery. Film. Well, Footloose is a mystery. Yeah. Who why... done took all the dancing? I was away. gonna say, why didn't they want those kids to dance? Hey, watch, 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 watch.
is not a Footloose podcast. No, this is dumb. Herbert Ross. Was that all you had to say about Herbert Ross? That he supposedly, uh, this was written at his bequest. Sure. Yeah. It's not a word. Yeah. (laughs) She just rolls right past it. (laughs) So, like, it's got a very interesting group of people working on it. I mean, it seems very inspired by true events, kind of. Oh, yeah. Well, also, I'm sure all the people at Sondheim and Anthony Perkins is like, Murder mystery parties were also elites. Well, yeah, and apparently everybody, like, all the characters in this were approximations of real-life people. Sure, sure. When you're writing it, you're basing it around, like, oh, this person or this... Yeah, I read about um, Christine, played by Diane Cannon. Uh, It's based on... She's an agent in the film, and she's based on a real agent. Yeah. Inspired by... Yeah. Whatever. But, again, it's it's not based on any real murder... Series of murders. No. As far as we're aware. Although, maybe... Serious. I mean, body count in this is two. Yeah, but there's only like eight people in the or, whole movie. No, actually, sorry, it would be three if you're including Sheila. The body count in total is three. Yeah. And the cast of the entire film is about 14 people. So Yeah, okay. The <laughs> ratio is pretty high. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, Last of Sheila, 1973. Herbert Ross, rated PG. Which I find kind of funny because it's, I mean. It's I, a 1973 PG. Sure. But, like, yeah, like, it's pretty raunchy. <laughs> it's pretty raunchy, and the cultural <laughs> it's, divide. It's subtle, but it's, yeah, it's, you It's know, almost yeah. 50 years fifty yeah, years ago. fair, yeah. So, yeah. the cultural divide on, like, we'll get to it, but, like, what is considered scandalous, and to what degree, mm-hmm. is pretty different, which I think is good. I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel good about where we are. Oh, it's funny, too, because, like, it's, like, bisexuality isn't a concept here. No. Bisexuality had not been invented yet. Yeah. Being a pederast was kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Bowie had just broken the year before, so they hadn't quantified bisexuality yet. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm brought it from space. <laughs> yeah, being a pedophile is, like... A little quirk. It's mildly embarrassing. Yeah. They yeah. treat it like having a foot fetish. Yeah. Like, it's a fetish, which is weird. Yeah. That's the biggest thing in this movie for yeah. me. Yeah, I had a really hard time with that the first time we watched it. Yeah, I couldn't believe the degree. Cause yeah, we'll, we'll of, the, get... of the shoulder shrugging around. The shoulder shrugging and also the fact we're building, we'll get to the whole thing, but we're building to like the revealing of secrets. And one of them is someone is a murderer. And, we, and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And we got a pedophile and we got an ex-con. And they're treating those two things as though they are like the same level of scandal. I guess I feel good that like, Nowadays, being an ex-con isn't that bad, but being a pedophile is way worse. It's viewed as way worse now, and I'm like, that's good. I feel good about this, but it is very confusing to watch the casualness with which all of this is discussed. Yes. And, again, treated as pretty much morally equal. Yeah. Well, and that they're on, like, the same level as alcoholism and shoplifting. Right. And what was the other one? Informing. Informing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah like, I mean, that's another thing where, like, different times, man, it yeah, was, you, you know, know. 20 years later, Snow. Yeah. Informer. Uh-huh. Made a whole song about it. Sure. It was great. <laughs> Still, to this day, no one knows what the fuck he said. Fastest rapper in the game, Canadian. Huh. Embarrassing, isn't it, rappers? You could probably step up your game. That, that song might have been summoning, like, an elder god. There's no earthly way you could tell. No, there's not. The only evidence I have that's not what happened <laughs> is because it didn't actually happen. That song was super popular. It was everywhere. Everyone listened to it a lot. I think if that was what it was doing, it would have worked. <laughs> Can you imagine? Shit. Should I cut this out? Should that be a, should that be my, my spec script? Is a rapper <laughs> raps like 
Oh, like a Lovecraftian like summoning. Oh, like Deathgasm, but yeah, kind of. Yeah. But for rap, that'd be so fucking fun. Holy shit! Weird. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anywho. Yeah. So we had first uh, watched this because we had watched Glass Onion, and you had found out that in an interview, Brian Johnson had said that uh, this was an inspiration for. Was it specifically Glass Onion, or was it for Knives Out in general? I think he said it for both. Okay, because it's a lot closer to Glass Onion. He, uh, Ryan Johnson, he's listed a bunch of different films. Yeah. But, like, this was the one where I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever heard of this, really. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, also, it was inspirational for Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah, you told me about it. Yeah, apparently Edgar Wright had shown it to Simon Pegg when they were, like, writing Hot Fuzz, as far as, like, like, a tone... To write kind for. Of, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I could see that. Yeah. I wish you had mentioned that, or I wish we knew that before this rewatch, because I would have watched also with that in mind, just out of curiosity, like idle curiosity. Hmm. I could I could sort of see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, this is quippy. It's not as quippy as an Edgar Wright thing. Yeah, the writing's a bit more pithy, I guess. This does have like some wit to it. The whole uh, first game that they do where they're wandering around this, you know, river town or the, this coastal town in search of what's ultimately a hotel room. Yes. And a lot of people think that Christine's a prostitute because she's yeah. just waving this key around on a corner is <laughs> pretty funny. She ends up wandering into, I guess, like a lesbian bar. Yeah, there's like a lesbian yeah. bar reveal joke. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the, the sexual stuff is based around Christine because she also like sleeps with um, Clinton. Clinton. I think first night still, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the quippiness. Yeah, it's a little less quippy. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It has jokes, but they're 1973 jokes. Yeah. And they're delivered by decided non-comedians. Sure. All right, this is so here's the cast. We have uh we have Richard Benjamin who I'm not super familiar with. I've seen him in a few things, but I not enough to have an idea of his like personality. Or anything. This is the most, the largest role I think mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, him. He plays Tom. Tom is an aspiring screenwriter. Well, I thought he had already done a thing. He wrote a thing. Clinton optioned it, but is not producing it. Oh, sure. So they're and living then, off the, the and, payment for to option it. Sure. And then, yeah, he does a lot of rewrites. Yes, yeah, so and now he kind of works as like a cleanup yeah. writer. Yeah. He's um, married to yes. Lee? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Joan Hackett. Don't know Joan Hackett. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything that I could think of. So Clinton is James Coburn. Good good actor, character actor. Yeah. Uh, I told you he's the bad guy in Maverick. That's like mm-hmm. the big, that's the big one for me because yeah. I watched Maverick a lot as a kid on TV. <laughs> uh, the Mel Gibson like movie version, not the, because there was like, I believe it was oh, a, TV like a TV show. Oh, a TV show revival kind of thing? I or, think so. Yeah, okay. yeah, is what it was. Uh-huh. Um, but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that. Sure. But I saw the movie. He's the bad guy in that. He's mm-hmm. great. But that's kind of what I think of him as. Older guy, white hair, you know. Very toothy. Very, yeah. Big smile. Yeah. He'll do this, like, one of, he's got one of those grins where you see both the top and bottom teeth. Yeah. Philip is James Mason. James Mason. James Mason. Hello. Thank you for having me yeah. on, in your film. He plays, I'm, I'm a director in this film. Uh aspiring to greater things currently working on some television commercials mm-hmm. that's him christine's diane cannon diane cannon in this gives me big goldie hawn vibes which is oh yeah not a bad thing sure. at all yeah every time i just kept being like this reminds me of goldie hawn the performance 
Yeah, the... she's, you know, flamboyant in a way. Yeah. You know. She's, she's yeah. big. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love Goldie Hawn, so. Yeah. She's great in this. Yeah, definitely. Then we've got Anthony and Alice. Anthony's Ian McShane. I guess I should do this. Welcome back to the show, Ian McShane. Previously. Oh, from Hot Rod, right? He was, yeah. so he was on Hot Rod, which is uh, episode 99. Mm-hmm. He's Frank. He's Rod's stepfather. And also, episode 33, Coraline. Oh, right. He's Mr. Bobinski. Right. He is like the boyfriend or, I think boyfriend, not husband, but like, and de facto kind of manager for Alice, who is like a very hot on the rise model actress. Yeah. And that's Raquel Welch. Yeah, I think when she's being accosted by reporters and stuff. And, and a guy he, trying like, sho- to get her to shill liquor. Yeah. And he shoves through them and stuff. I think he says, no wife of mine's going to, you yeah. know, hawk liquor. But yeah, there are a couple. I yeah. Mean, whatever. But Raquel Welch, welcome back to the show, Raquel Welch. Do you know from what? No, I don't recall. No, you don't, Raquel? I don't, Raquel. <laughs> I don't, Raquel. Uh-huh. Episode 61, Ring a Bell? No. Legally Blonde. Oh. She is Mrs. Wyndham Vandermark. She's oh. the ex-wife of the murder victim. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So two mysteries she's been in. Wild. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. welcome back to the show both. Um, yeah. This couple has been on the show before. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and she's, uh, yeah, like I said, aspiring. I don't know if she's an actress yet, but she is, like, getting offers. She's definitely a model. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if she's transitioned to acting yet. Was she in an airport or something? There. Yeah, I think way? they got off yeah. off the plane. And then, yes, a guy, you know, runs up and is, like, uh, yelling at her in Italian or whatever. Yeah. Take this bottle of uh, liquor and, you know, you can be our spokesperson, that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, Ian McShane, like, elbows him. Yeah. Uh, so he's a bit of a hothead. Again. <laughs> yeah. Boy, and boy, holy shit, yeah. is he good looking in this. He's got the same head of hair. He's just, yeah. you know, younger and slimmer. Yeah, and like... the 70s. Yeah, I mean, like, I might have seen him in things before, but I'm familiar with him from, like, Deadwood. That's yeah. where I was like, oh, this guy, mm-hmm. you know, he's been in a bunch of stuff since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Neil Gaiman... American Gods. American Gods, yes. He's, uh, I guess I won't spoil anything about American Gods for everybody, but you should, no. you should read it. It's good. And it's also the book. show's good. The yeah. show is good for, like, a season. Oh, and then Sheila is played by Yvonne Romaine for about three seconds. Yeah. The film opens with the party in Bel Air. The Fresh uh, Prince was there. <laughs> Maybe. DJ Jazzy Jeff um, is getting thrown out. Yeah. Sheila, I guess, is drunk and pissed off at, I don't know, her boyfriend or her husband, Clinton or whoever, and runs out of the party and gets almost immediately killed in a hit and run accident. We don't hear what they're arguing about. We see, like, in through a window from outside. They're yelling. She walks, storms out, and then she's walking up the side of the road and gets hit by a car. Yeah. There's an amazing shot. She gets hit, and the car, like, backs up. You see the reflection of her body by the side of the road in the car, you know, in the side panel. And I was like, that's such a, like, such a good classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we also get a shot of her body on the ground with her enormous S necklace. I thought it was like a, a brooch, but yeah, either way. It's a necklace. Well, because when she first ran out, I thought it was that she was maybe wearing a robe that had her initial on it. Yeah. Nope. But no, it's a dress, and yeah, it's it's some kind of jewelry, and yeah, it's just, it's it's a little Ostentatious. It's, yeah. Oh, behave. Yeah. It's ostentatious. Sure. <laughs> yeah, baby. We fade to the yacht 
and the title card, The Last of Sheila. And that is the start of this. It's very simple. Yeah. You know. Right. Especially if you know going in that it's some sort of a murder mystery. You see a murder. You see a murder. Mur- you're you like, can't tell who did it. You have your you have your note <laughs> yeah. card. It says murder mystery. You cross murder off. You're like, all right. And you circle mystery. Uh-huh. We're half done already. This movie's going to be short. It's actually two hours long. You see Clinton on the boat making out these invitations. And for each envelope he's got, we see the right. people involved with it. Yeah. He, he is typing on an old-fashioned typewriter because this is 1973 and computers didn't exist in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Like grinning and yeah. laughing. You could not fit one on a boat. Yeah, no, they were huge. They were room size. I think. 70- I think by the seventies, it was it was smaller, but like still. small room size, like a mud room, <laughs> but like still. a vestibule. But also, like, I don't think that you really could print very easily or anything like that. Like, you were still doing electric typewriters and stuff. Yeah, for a lot of that. So he's uh, like laughing and typing. Yeah. And yeah, every time he puts a, a little, um, what's that called? The little squiggly side, like when you, you have the scissors that cut the squiggles. Crimping shears? Crimping. Or so these pinking shears? Pinking. I think it's pinking. Yeah. So he's got these little pinked cards later, and I was like, hmm. But yeah, he's uh, he's typing, he's putting everything in an envelope. I don't know if pinked is a word. It's pinking. You sure? So after it's done, those things have been pinked. Okay. That's how words work. I don't make the rules. English made the rules, and there's a lot of them, and they contradict each other. Sure. That's why language is great. Yeah. Well, and, and also I just make stuff up all the time and it's great because it's a word. Earlier I used the word bequest. Yeah, that's true. That's not a word. But you no. know what? You knew exactly what the fuck I meant. So now I guess it is a word. Yeah, I did. I did kind of just let that one fly by. Yeah. You're right. I'm in your head now. So, yeah, this reminded me. This is, well, the first time we watched this, I was like, oh, this is very much Knives Out. So it's Christopher Plummer. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a very similar introduction scene to Christopher Plummer in that with him typing in his game room. He's a writer of mystery novels. Yeah. And he loves games. Yes. And Clinton loves games. Yes. And yeah, I was just like, oh, I see the inspiration for that character in this character sure. very much. Apparently the set also, dressers especially... have like, you know, a couple hundred puzzles and board games just about the boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Including Probe. Yes, which we own. I don't know. How would you describe it? It's like Hangman with extra yes. rules. It's like it's, Yes, it's like competitive it's like, Hangman. Yes. Each player makes a word and then is also guessing other players' words. Yes. And the chance... Some, some chance right. stuff because like the cards can take and give away extra points or right. whatever. And the chance to put a fun word, like Cormorant. <laughs> no, but you did play Clitoris. You did play Clitoris. And you know what? Which... The two women I was playing with couldn't figure it out. <laughs> right i was like i was like i know this shit ain't real they're never gonna figure it out i could have put chupacabra same thing if only more men were willing to search for the chupacabra i know is this an episode of the last podcast on the left it's filthy and about cryptozoology i mean to be fair that's also our lives yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Henry Zabrowski and I could probably hang out. Probably get along just fine. Oh, totally. I think you're a Ben. Probably. Yeah, pick the boring one in any group. and it's He's me. not boring. <laughs> He's sober-minded, even though, you know, he likes he likes a tipple. Sure. Um, and he's a goofball, but he's very sober-minded and takes things seriously and approaches them from a serious, analytical point of view. Yes. Who does that sound like? The Fair. mayor just turned and went over to Allison. Yeah. The mayor has weighed in. Uh-huh. Correctly. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah, no, so everybody's going on Clinton's yacht for 
Yes, Clinton is invited. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. Yes. Of them. Yes. To the boat. Yes. Where he is. Yes. And his crew. Yes. Of Italians. His boat is called the Sheila, named after his late wife. It is a year after her hit-and-run murder. Yes. Yeah, when everybody arrives, he explains that he's invited them to the boat to play what he's calling the Sheila Green Memorial Gossip Game. Yeah. Uh, Also, I think everybody's trying to get him to, or maybe he wants to write a movie about her. Yeah, so... The Life and Death of Sheila Green. Yeah, as this is like a movie about a game about gossip, um, we get a lot of things relayed to us second or third hand yes like that may or may not be true and that's yeah so it's usually like two people talking about like a third party that's not there right right like uh i think it's christine is like don't tell him i told you act surprised but clinton's going to you know pitch basically pitch you all on a movie about sheila yeah he's finally over it enough to write about it he wants to get funding for it, blah, blah, blah. And then she um, underlines stuff that we saw in their, like, individual introductions, which is, like, Alice yeah. is an actress, yeah. Tom is a writer, right. Philip is a director, I'm an agent. Like, we all... It's like uh, Inception, you know, the, the theory about Inception. Overall, the structure of the Inception crew is based around a film crew. Oh, yes. I don't remember if I don't you remember talked what... about it or what. Yeah, it know. was a very popular theory. It was in a bunch of think pieces and write-ups. And, you right. Know. And it's interesting, so it got shared a lot. But yeah, it's the idea that, like, this guy's the director, this guy's the actor, this one is the sets, this one is whatever. Like, they yeah. have their special things. Okay. So this is kind of like that, like... And Christine underlines that, and she's like, Tom, you'd be perfect to write it, and Philip can direct, and blah, 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 blah. My new client, Alice, is going to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? So yeah. there we are. But we haven't heard Clinton say that, so we're like, oh, maybe this is bullshit, maybe it's not. And then when we cut to Clinton, that's probably what he is saying. Coburn has this, he's got a wolfishness to him. Yeah. He seems inviting and friendly, but he looks like a predator like he looks like he has not your best interest in mind and that's how he plays this whole thing is like welcome to my parlor said the spider to the fly is that the expression sure sure. it's almost like he's reveling in the i know something you don't know yeah of running a game like this definitely and like i mean they in talking around him they established that that is very much in his character that he's very smart but he also works very hard to make sure that we all know how smart he is. Yes. Um, I, but, like, I I really like Coburn's performance in this. Like, it is. It's very, like, it's very ostensibly warm and open and, like, yeah, camaraderie, friendship and everything. But it's right, also, but like... there's a slightly sadistic bent to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. like, where he's getting off on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Agree. It's toxic. Well, and I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like it's not somebody you want to I mean, hang like, out with all the time, but you probably have a fun weekend. Well, so also like the the you know the game in general is him revealing other people's warts to each other, and so that is a little. And then you connect the, the warts. That is on the mean side of things, and then he does do little jabs at people. Like the whole um, setup for the monk sequence. Yes. He's got that board that has the rules. Yes. And shut your fat yap, Christine is yes. one of them. And then, I mean, also, they don't know this, but he's got 
the ship wired for sound so he can hear yes. what they're doing in their rooms. Right. He can hear what they're saying about him and about everybody else. Which I think, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's really further f- like him trying to get the maximum amount of enjoyment out yes. of this. And, but it's also really fun yeah. to me because he kind of is just like listening to shit and he's just like, ugh, and like changes it to somebody else. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I kind of listen to these fucking people. <laughs> yeah. Four channels and nothing good on. Yeah, it's really it, like it's kind of funny to me. He's like, I didn't realize that I that means I have to actually listen to them fucking prattle on. Uh, and most of it's not interesting. Sure. But he does weaponize a bunch of it. Yeah. Let's give a quick overview of the plot. As we said, Clinton invited these six people onto the boat. He's going to play the, what is it, the Sheila Green Memorial Gossip Game? Yes. Yes. Each evening at 8 p.m. sharp, they're going to dock at a different harbor and play a game where... Everybody's trying to find clues to prove the identity of a person holding a certain card. Everyone was given a card. Yes. The card, as we mentioned at the beginning, has these secrets. You are the informer. You are the homosexual. You are the little child molester. You are the shoplifter, etc. Right? Mm -hmm. And so each night in one of these harbors... Everyone will be trying to decipher some clue that they all have access to and find the identity of which one of them is which one of those things. Well, what if you know what you are? Wouldn't you, like, not care about finding your no, things? No, because when the person who the thing is... Boy, the, 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 the vagueness of this. When the John whose John it is <laughs> finds that John, the game is done for the night. Yeah. So, for example, the very first night is the they're trying to find the shoplifter. Philip was the one with the shoplifter card. Yes. So before Philip found the room, Lee and Tom had both found it. So Lee, Tom, and Philip all scored for that night. Right. But once Philip finds it, game's done. Yes. And then uh, when Anthony shows up, he sees that on the door there is a sign instead that of the, the game uh, is over. Instead of the uh, do not disturb, yes. it says the game is over. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that, yeah, they'd go through the week and whoever got the most points on other people would win. And so the person who's like secret it is that night is kind of playing defense almost. Right. Yeah. It benefits you to solve the thing quickly. Yes. Regardless of whether or not it's your secret. Right. Well, the secret you were assigned, because then what we find out is these are all secrets that do apply to the people in the group, just not the people whose cards they were given right he jumbled them all up yes. one of them is a shoplifter yes. it's not philip right so they he switched them he musical chaired them a little bit yes yeah and so after the first night we actually see alice talking to somebody that we can't see there's a very uh giallo thing that runs through this of like there's a point of view character that you occasionally the camera is their their eyes and you know characters will directly talk to them and then like they never say anything they will occasionally like hold a hand or light a cigarette or whatever yeah but that's it but yeah and so alice is implying that uh she and whoever she's talking to have slept together yes and that um and and is saying directly that she was in fact the shoplifter she had shoplifted a coat she didn't need it she didn't need it. She just wanted it. She wanted to feel in control. Yeah. There's a layer where the game itself is belying a further mystery of who actually applies to these things. None of them would know it applied to anybody but them for sure. Except that they had already done some gossiping being a friend group. Right. So some people knew some of the things about other people. Right. And 
I think Clinton is pl- is banking on the idea that they're going to talk. Yes. So, which is also why he wired the rooms, probably. Right. And because... he's yes, and he's going to enjoy them having to, like, confirm people's suspicions, out themselves, like I was a shoplifter, that kind of thing, and be like, yeah, I did that, like, um, when it's obviously a thing that you know you want to keep under under wraps like it's something you are embarrassed by and like that's a thing we come back to very late in the in the film is like all these secrets are meant to make you uncomfortable sure um you playing the game everybody's looking for the shoplifter you know you in reality are a shoplifter and but they're not looking for you you don't have that card right and the whole time it's designed to make you uncomfortable and then it's going to go on for six nights and it's going to do the same thing to everybody yes that's clinton's uh sadistic bent i'm gonna get into out and out spoilies now yeah 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 Yeah. tom ultimately becomes an opportunist because he figures out pretty early on what's going on because he in fact was the one that alice was talking to and knows her secret and i believe he was the one that got the you are an alcoholic card which he was also able to piece together was referring to lee so what it is is okay the first night it's the shoplifter or whatever they go through the whole thing okay yeah he's having fun yes the second night it's the homosexual that's tom tom is tom has this realization like oh that's me yes i'm secretly a homosexual even though he's bisexual this is the thing we alluded to earlier mm-hmm. uh he's clearly bisexual yeah or pan we also didn't right. invent that yet no, no no yes he's clearly not just a homosexual Again, yeah. like, the, it doesn't really get further discussed. No, it's the terminology right. of time, too. Yes. But he realizes, oh, that refers to me. Right. I had a gay tryst with Clinton. Clearly, everyone's talking about he's sleeping with Christine the first night. You guys understand? It's fine. Right. It's fine. Well, and then he dresses up like Alice. Yes. Who also slept with Tom. So... It's incestuous. And it's it's almost like he's, like, really, like, twisting the knife of, like, oh, yeah, you slept with me and with her, and which do you like better? What if I look like her? That's interesting. Yeah, like, it's... <laughs> we should remake this. We should remake it, update it, you know, modern times. Mm-hmm. We should name it after a song. Uh-huh. I'm thinking Informer by Snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Knives Out joke. Yeah. Knives Out is a Radiohead song, Glass Onion is a Beatles song. Please send your suggestions for what you think the third Benoit Blanc um, mystery will be called. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a British band. That's the, that's the, I mean, it doesn't yes. have to. It's Ryan Johnson can do whatever the fuck he wants. But that's the theme, so I would imagine he might stick to it. Or he might throw us a curveball with the third one. What did you say? What did I say? I had some good suggestions. Mm-hmm. I think Elvis Costello has a very deep bench for, like, good titles for, uh, sure. for a thing. Watching the Detectives is an obvious one. Yeah. But, like, accidents will happen. Radiohead, very popular 2000s, 90s, 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. The Beatles, popular 60s and 70s. Yeah. So it's like maybe he's going for a different era or a different, not necessarily genre, but like level of celebrity. Sure. Maybe like a pulp song or Joy Division. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe a Clash song? I had suggested Squeeze. Squeeze? What song? I had said Inquintessence when we talked Inquintessence would be a great yeah. title because like Glass Onion, you'd be like, I don't know what that means. Let's do it. Right. Squeeze is a good band. Yes. Allison really likes Squeeze. I do. I, I, <laughs> yeah, they're good. That's it. That's, <laughs> there's no joke. They're a good band. She really likes them. Yeah. So we were talking about how the secrets in the game apply to 
other players yes. that they have not been assigned yeah. to, and yeah. that's designed to make mm-hmm. everybody uncomfortable yeah. while they're playing. Yeah, so Clinton's got his own aims. He knows that somebody in the group was probably responsible for Sheila's death, but doesn't know who. I don't know. Do you think? Maybe not. He is definitely really stirring the pot here, and he is invoking Sheila. So I don't really know exactly what he knows or what he's aiming for. Maybe yeah. it had something to do with the fight that caused her to run out. Like, we yeah, don't actually knows? really get into, no. like, deeper motivations like that. But what does end up happening is that Tom ultimately wants to kill Lee. <laughs> She's his wealthy wife, but he had a whole thing with Alice. And I think he thinks that he can parlay that into a thing. Yeah. And, and he and Lee haven't been doing very well. And she is an alcoholic. So he decides that he's going to use Clinton's game to drive Lee over the edge. Right. Does that by changing his card from alcoholic well, to hit... A whole new card. Yeah. Puts out a whole new card that says hit and run killer and leaves it in a place where he, she can find it. He pinks it. Right. It gets pinked. Yes. Yeah, so the second night, they're searching for the homosexual. They go to a uh, monastery? Yes. Um, on an island. On this tiny little island. And that Clinton bought. <laughs> Yes, and but Clinton dies. Yes. We'll talk more about it. We don't have to go into detail right now, but dies as a result of maybe an accident, maybe murder. At that time, we don't know. Right. And while they're parsing all that out, Tom, he puts forth this idea that like, hey, Clinton was building up to, on Saturday night, the big final night of the thing. We were going, you know, he was going to out the hit and run driver right. who killed Sheila. Right. So then he starts this whole process of being like, I saw the homosexual card and I knew that was me. And he's like, you know, the first night that was, you know, shoplifter who, you know, I, I, I would imagine that has to apply to someone. And Alice is like, well, yeah, it's me. Okay, cool. Like, and he knew she had told him that in confidence. Right. You know, but he's playing this game of like, I don't know. I guess these things could all apply to, you know, whoever. And he's like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, he's a predator acting like prey kind of like, or acting sure. like he's one of them where he's like, Oh, I don't know, maybe whatever. But he's slowly getting them to whittle down the, they all produce their cards. They all have them laid out on the table. And it's like, yeah. you know, then Chris, Christine is like, I'm the informer. And she talks about her thing and, you know, and so it gets down to the last two who have not been claimed. Yeah. I also don't know if he knew that this was going to shake out this way, but like he's got, Anthony he's, figuring that, like... He's, sure. he's doing it on the fly. Yeah. I used to mess with prank callers at work. They would try to prank us. They're all 12 years old. They ask us the same dumb questions. It gets really repetitive, and you already know what they're going to do. This is how, like, Sherlock Holmes feels. Sure. Not that I'm smarter than everybody, but I do know how this particular interaction is going to go because I've had this exact same interaction dozens of times. So then you start fucking with them. You start throwing, like things in that don't sound like you're fucking with them because if they know you're fucking with them they will hang up yeah but if you just keep being like no i'm just like you buddy and then you lead them down a long winding path that ends up with they have nothing they have no like recourse but to say like i fucked a dog or whatever and you've led them there then they're like oh shit it's how batman must feel all the time or columbo or perry mason yes and that's kind of what tom is doing tom is pivoting on the on the balls of his feet to keep this thing moving the direction he wants it to. But also, during his whole thing where we're going through everybody's cards and secrets and stuff, and he's trying to piece together, you know, who killed Clinton and everything, um, I wasn't sure if he knew how Anthony was going to react like he was being accused. 
because yeah, he comes off as like very defensive. He didn't actually have anything to do with anything. No, no. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he slept with anybody, you know, that he shouldn't have been sleeping no, with no. or anything like that. He definitely didn't, you know, murder or try to murder anybody. But, like, he's like, oh, so you think that I'm the hit-and-run killer, but really, I'm the ex-convict. And actually, maybe that's to be expected because once you're accused or, or convicted of a crime, like, you're, you've been branded as, like, a person that does bad things. So maybe it's him expressing that sort of inherent guilt. Sure. Or this assumption that people are accusing him of things, whether or not he's actually done it. Right. What did he say he was in jail Assault. for? Assault. Yeah. And he did do it. Yeah. And he can prove that he was in jail for assault, so. By the point that he has that, like, little blow up, mm -hmm. it's become clear that, like, hey, so the game was going to reveal one of us killed Sheila. Ian McShane, Anthony is initially trying not to play his hand and reveal that he's the ex-con. So he's right, asking... until he gets backed into a right. wall. Well, he's asking completely. Tom, because Tom has been like, the homosexual, that's me. And he says, he's like, I had a thing with Clinton. I, you know, felt sorry for him. You know, it ended. And it's fine. Whatever. You know, uh, Anthony is like, well, how can you claim that card? You know, how do you know that that card only applies to you? And Tom is like, I, I don't. I can't. You know, I, I, I'm just... Basically, he's doing the 1973 The Last of Sheila version of I'm just asking questions. Sure. Uh, he's like, and then, yeah, he he's like, Anthony, if like, you yeah. can claim that card, then, you know, by all means. He's like, no, I'm not homosexual. I'm a criminal. Because <laughs> I, yeah, whatever. Six of one, half a dozen the other. The idea is that these are both equally shameful secrets to be revealed. Yeah. So, again, as a society, I like to think that we've come forward on, on both of those issues. But yeah, so Anthony blows up and then ultimately Lee owns up to killing both Sheila and Clinton, except then we find well, out. Well, 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 let's let's talk about her killing Sheila. Like, yes. that is true. Yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, she's definitely the one that did it. Yeah. They established that like, oh, that night a year ago, you were sick at home in Santa Barbara, weren't you, Lee? And she's like, oh, I said I was sick of Santa Barbara. And everybody's ha ha ha. They all chuckle. Santa Barbara. She tried to drive down to the party late and she was drunk and driving erratically. Right. And also, you know, Sheila was in like the street, basically. Like it's a, it's a, a street without a sidewalk. Yeah. Um, the property is bordered by like a fence or, you know, gate or something. So yeah. like she's basically walking on the very shoulder of the street and like, yeah, then gets killed. Um, not victim blaming, just ex explaining. It's not like she's up on the sidewalk in a suburban area or whatever. Um, it's like some kind of big estate. Sure. Well, she yeah. does drive home. Then she uh, leaves a message about going to visit a school friend, then drives to Las, Las Vegas, Vegas and yep. trades the car in yeah. or something. Because something about they won't prosecute. Oh, it's that um, the police investigating the hit and run wouldn't have crossed state lines to look for That's a it. car with a dented fender. Right. If you're going to commit a murder and don't want to get caught, I guess do it hopping some state lines I and guess. that makes it a lot harder for them to track your ass See, i always heard that's bad to do because it makes it a federal crime uh okay it's bad to do if you get caught but if it makes it harder to get caught and you don't get caught then it's fine i guess <laughs> i guess before you're gonna do a crime you should probably go to law school <laughs> don't just do a crime and not know what the fuck you're doing do a crime but be like ah, i know exactly how i plan to get away with it now you might not but you have a better chance than if you just winged it although Lesser charge if it's not premeditated. 
your whole argument about not crossing state lines was that it becomes a federal case if you cross state lines. Right. But also, if you premeditate a murder, then that's first degree. Whereas if it's a crime of passion, then that might be second or third degree would be like in the heat of the moment. Second degree okay. is if you like what's your, shot what you... somebody without premeditation. Third degree would be like if you did something like you accidentally strangled somebody, maybe it would be. Okay, but my question is, why did you bring that up? Oh, it was... Uh, oh, if you go to yeah. law school, that's premeditated? Well, if you go to law school to figure out, like, what crimes to do... Oh, got it, got it, got yeah. it. Okay, so, all right, let me clear this up. Don't tell anybody that's why you're going. <laughs> I can't believe I have to clear that up for you. If you get away with it, you can send me a check. But cash is probably going to keep you off the grid, so I'll, I'll accept cash. I do not take crypto. It's not real. Bearer bonds. Bearer bonds, yes. Barry bonds, if you want to send Barry bonds to my house, as long as his pockets are full of cash. <laughs> so what Lee believed happened was that she, so the island and they're all in monk's robes and, you know, they have to. Night two. Yeah, they have to maintain vows of silence, so shut your fat yap, Christine. Yeah, we should explain that. <laughs> they're all given a brochure, like a tourism brochure for this island, whatever it's called. It's got some typos in it. Which is like their first clue. They're like, oh, that isn't right, right? And then it's it says something like, um, tourists, uh, it's, it, it's not the word embark, but it's a different, tourists and, and large for, you know, whatever. And you know, they're going, that's the wrong word. Like, this is, you know. And I think it's Philip is like, oh, it's just, it's just Clinton's sense of humor, you know. But it, it is kind, it's kind of a clue. And that's a thing that's mirrored in Glass Onion. Sure. With the using words that don't actually exist to sound smart, which, you know, when you're watching it the first time, you're like, oh, that's that's not a real word. But it does sound like influencer nonsense. Yeah. So you're just sort of like, oh, okay, I guess. If we're going to be dissecting that, another thing that I had thought was funny or interesting or whatever In is... Um, Last of Sheila? Yes. Yeah. Is that when it's talking about the island, it was a, a place for uh, onanists and catamites. Yes. Christine's like, you know, I don't even know what that word means, catamite. She says something like, I'm going to go get dressed up like a catamite if I knew what one was. Oh, sure, yeah. I think I told you this where I was like, it's funny that that word pops up as a counterpoint to little child molester. Because catamite usually is referring to somebody who's an adolescent versus somebody that's prepubescent. Catamite is... The word for somebody who favors sexually people who are adolescent, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, well, so it, it, that's a thing that goes back to, like, you know, Greco-Roman homosexual relationships and stuff. And so usually it's, like, a man and a boy, but usually the boy so is it's not, an older boy, not a younger boy. It's, right, it's not like Pinhead's pet cat. <laughs> Mittens. Yeah. Mittens head. <laughs> Mittens head. No? Okay. Just checking. Because they make a big deal of Little Child Molester later because it fits into Clinton's, like, game. game and structure. Right. So. Yeah, so. Lee believes that she, in in the, yeah, the, the island with the honests and whatever. And so basically it's like a, it's like a hide and seek sort of thing that Clinton's set up for them. But yeah. where he's got a bunch of uh, radios Ta playing tape a tape yeah. of him. Uh, doing a monastic chant, oh. and only one of them is really him, and the rest of them are red herrings. And so, you know, there's a funny thing of, like, Anthony being like, oh, this is definitely you, Clinton, because I heard you cough, and you wouldn't have coughed on the tape, and this is you. And then 
He's like, am I right? And he pans, his flashlight falls on the radio that says no on it. Oh, it says wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Clinton's in a, uh, confessional and. Tom finds him first. Yeah. Tom finds him first. Um, and so, yeah, from Lee's perspective, Lee finds Clinton and he goads her about how he knows that she killed Sheila and she like ends up ramming a candle holder yeah. through the confessional door and kills Clinton. Yeah, the confessional, you know, it's got that like uh like kind of wicker screen thing. Yeah, it's it's like mesh lattice. Is, is it, it wood or is it metal? Yeah, it's 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 wood, wood? and yeah. so lattice is actually a better term for it. Yeah. Thank God. I can't go back to jail. <laughs> I used the wrong term again. Oh boy, that's six months in the hole. Right. So Lee. Yeah, she takes the thing, the like candle holder or whatever, yeah. and smashes it through the lattice, believing she has killed Clinton. Yeah. When she pulls it, it falls out of the busted up door, and she picks up a, you know, it's an old like fallen into disrepair abbey or whatever monastery whatever you want to call it. and so like there's pillars but some of them have fallen mm-hmm. or partially collapsed so she picks up part of a pillar yeah and conks him crushes his head with it and then leaves yeah because like we've i'm sure explained before always double tap yeah well and also <laughs> like there is a storm happening yeah and i think also yeah she figured it was going to look more like an accident that way it will look like a pillar collapsed yeah. crushed his head right when they are taking stock of the situation. Right. When Tom is doing his like parlor scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so even before that, when they are oh, okay. on the scene and Tom and Philip are examining the body. Right. Tom points out there is a cigarette on the scene and that the stone that was used to hit Clinton is from the base of a column, Pillar. not the yeah. top. Right. Lee believes she has killed him. What has actually happened is that Tom has killed him and because... Philip was also on the scene. He is kind of on to Tom. Philip's really the only one that could have figured all this out, by the way. Yeah. Well, Philip is not an idiot. Yeah, because... um, He knows something is up because, like, the others don't even have a chance, really, to be suspicious. Like, you know, Anthony and Alice didn't even get to see the way the game was supposed to function the way that Philip and Tom and Lee did. Yes. Like, they're the only ones that know what a successful, quote-unquote, night of the game looks like. Yeah. The others just wander around some seaside town until, you know. Well, Alice wasn't really playing. No, but like until the game, like, yeah, exactly. Until the game was over. Like, but none of them were like. Yeah, I guess she, what was her whole deal? She was just too shaken by it being a. Shoplifter. Shoplifter. Yeah. Because she's kind of just like. Sitting out. in a cafe. Right. Yeah. So Philip is there to hear Lee and Tom talk about whether or not she's going to take a second all to go to sleep, which is a sleeping pill like sedative which becomes important later when tom kills lee and stages it as a suicide (laughs) yeah in the scene where philip and lee are out on the deck kind of drinking and talking about you know oh it's hard to sleep and all the stuff going on stuff after this is after night one before night two okay yes all right philip makes a drink and is chopping ice with the ice pick and that's the last time you see the ice pick right the next time we see anybody chopping ice, it's using, is it a strainer? Bottle opener. Oh, it might be a bottle but opener. But it doesn't yeah. really matter. But yeah, they're using an incorrect implement. Right, because the, because the ice, ice pick, pick has gotten missing. missing. Right. 
Right. Um, because. Because. On night two. Right. In the monastery. What had actually happened was Tom finds him first, I guess. Right. Yeah. Tom, like even through this point, seems like kind of a sycophant. Yeah. He wants to try to sweet talk Clinton into a maybe producing his uh, movie, which is called Freak Show. Mm-hmm. Or be giving him some other work because he's tired of just basically batting cleanup. Like he just comes in and rewrites other people's scripts to make them better. Right. They've been living off of whatever Clinton paid him to option Freak Show, but Clinton now has just been sitting on it and not producing it. So now he thinks like, oh, this is a good time to be like, hey, like the first night. The whole thing is they're given a key. It is silver. It says Sterling 18K. For those of you listening who are familiar with uh, metal. Metallurgy. Metallurgy. <laughs> uh, 18K is carrots. Carrots does not apply to silver. That's gold. So that should be your first clue that something is up, that this is a clue. It's a clue that lets you know that this is a clue, right? Then they're running around this port town trying to suss out what a silver key 18K sterling means. And they're saying, like, the word for key in French is... Clef. Clef and... There's some, That's how they find the, the, the Clef les- del Sol. Right, the is, lesbian bar. Yeah. Right. What it is is the Sterling Hotel, room number 18. Presumably Clinton has written a K next to the 18 on the door, you know, numbering thing. And you use the key, you go in. There's a mannequin posed as a dead body. Everything in the room, like there's clothing, there's like tchotchkes and shit, all has price tags hanging off of it. And the whole time, Tom is the first one who finds it. Tom is going... Brilliant, Clinton. Fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Great. Amazing. You know, sucking up to him. And the best thing is, like, Coburn doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he yeah. plays it like it's, it's not feeding Clinton's ego at all. Right. Having somebody tell him that he's smart doesn't do anything for him. He knows he's smart. He's fine. Yeah. Um, so he's going like. No, he wants to see people twist in the wind. Yeah, he's going, you know, like, tick tock. Hurry up and fucking investigate before anybody else gets here. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to be here, too. Uh, the mannequin is a it's got a knife in its back and it's a dead police officer and it's been investigating the shoplifter presumably and it's holding a bottle of Chanel number no. five and he's going perfume smell scent sense sense no French money is called Frank's not sense and he goes ah oh, Clinton ah oh, brilliant Chanel number no. five he goes over the TV that's been on the whole time playing like a Cowboys and Indians feature. And he turns it to Chanel number five. And it's a like closed circuit thing of James Coburn doing a terrible French accent going, this is the only known photograph of the shoplifter who has tormented whoever the fuck or whatever. And it like, it's uh, Philip. And they hear like the key in the door and he's like, get, get the fuck out of the way. You know, like he turns it back to whatever the Cowboys and Indians movie, you know, the Western. That's when Lee comes in. She's like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, our host is hiding behind the door. And he goes, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. You know, and sort of ushers uh, Tom out of the room. On night two, when Tom talks to Clinton, what we see initially is the same, more of the same. Being subservient to Clinton, but trying to be like we're equals. Mm-hmm. Such a good ruse. Oh, you're in drag? That's great. In drag uh, as Alice. You're so drag- am I. Right. He's like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. You look just like her. And he's like, volume loud enough? Uh, is it too loud? He's like, no, no, if anything, it's too quiet. He's like, oh, maybe I should prop the door open. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea, whatever. And we cut away. What's actually happened, and then what continues, Tom kills Clinton. He drops a lit cigarette into Clinton's side of the box. And then when Clinton... Tom leaves, is smoking, right? Yes. Yes. And then when Clinton leads forward to extinguish it, Tom gets him with the ice pick yeah in the back of the neck yeah 
So before Tom could do anything with Clinton, Christine finds them. Later on, she's talking about how Clinton had this weird, like, faraway look in his eye. Mm. And what it actually was was that he was dead, and that's why he looked real spaced out. Yeah. Was that... He was already dead, and he's speaking in a whisper like this. Right. And, and yeah. we had already seen earlier in the film that Tom does a pretty good James Coburn impression. Yeah. It's actually just James Coburn dubbing over Tom. He's like, hey, gang. You know, whatever the fuck. By the time Lee shows up, it is Tom puppeting dead Clinton. To, to lay it out for yeah. listeners. The confessional booth has windows on both sides. The one is to the outside, and the other one is like... To the other half of the booth. Right, the other half of the booth. Yeah. So Tom is in that. He's in the other half of the booth where you would go to confess your sins. Yeah. The like other window, just on the bar side... That's what Christine is talking to him through. So Tom's on the far side, away from her, where she can't see him. It's dark. It's really dark. And so he's, you know, just, like, holding Clinton's, like, collar or whatever and, like, moving him, moving his head around. Yeah. Just to lay it out for people, like, how this was happening. They're not squeezed into some tiny little room. Yeah, no. The way Philip posits events, which is kind of how we see them, so whether or not that's even 100% accurate is It's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We do see things, but it's as Philip is laying out what he believes happened, so it's entirely possible that it's not a hundred percent accurate, accurate even though he must get at least the broad strokes right yes. because tom does try to kill him at the end yeah, yeah. so broad strokes tom is goading lee about the hit and run and is i guess expecting her to confess but instead what she does is explodes so runs at clinton with the candle holder, holder and thinks that she has killed him when really he has been dead for several minutes <laughs> So Christine just leaves, right? Christine just leaves and Lee comes I, in and then... Yeah, I was going to say, I think Clinton's um, like, I mean, quote unquote Clinton, it's, yeah. it's, it's Tom. But he's like, all right, it's great, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. Her and Lee pass each other maybe or something. When but, Christine's walking up, is that when the door shuts? No, that, that was Alice because it's Alice, Alice has right, the I'm homosexual sorry. card. So the door shuts, it slides out like the game is over and Alice is being against it going like, no, 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 like that's not how the game goes. Right. She knows she is supposed to be the one that ends the round. Right. That's why she reacts that way. She's like, what the fuck is going on? This isn't, this is against the rules. Right. Um, and she busts the door open and. Yeah. No. Right. Does she? Cause like. One of them busts they... the door open and they, they run in. And they see what they think is Clinton, but it's actually Tom with his hood up because they're all wearing monk robes. So they all look the same. Uh-huh. And he just like points to her to go to the other side. And I thought that was. No, that's two different okay. occurrences. Clinton's dead. They do the whole thing of like. Tom's parlor scene. Right. The The aim of Tom's parlor scene, which we've diverged away from and now have gone back to is that. Is to spur Lee into confessing. Into confessing, um, which she does. Yes. And Tom acts like. Oh, like he just realized it too, because we're down to two. There's two unclaimed options. So I think I said a while ago, mm-hmm. and it's little child molester and hit and run driver. Yeah, the only two people that haven't claimed a thing are Philip and Lee. Mm-hmm. So that's when Lee confesses. Mm-hmm. As it stands, when there's only those two unclaimed options, and there's only those two people who haven't claimed a thing, Tom starts to then because he's been pushing and pushing and pushing in this like roundabout mm-hmm. way, but then he starts to pretend like he wants to back off. Putting on a performance as though, like, oh, no, I realized my wife might be one of the two worst things. Yeah. And he goes, well, we really can't pursue it any further. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody else is like, 
no, fuck you. You made us all fess up to shit that we didn't want to fess up to. So, like, let's see it through to its conclusion. That's when Lee is like, I did it. I was drunk. Crashed, you know, not crashed the car, but I, I hit Sheila. I drove to Las Vegas. I traded the car in. I spent the week, you know, wherever the fuck, and I made up some lie about visiting a friend from college or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, just please let me go quietly. And she ends up locking herself in she takes a bottle of bourbon. Lee's room adjoins Tom's room. So they're, they each have a door to their individual rooms and they have a connecting door in between because Anthony and Alice got the double. Yeah. But she ends up being killed in Clinton's room, right? Yeah. Okay. Tom puts a bunch of second all in the bourbon because she's the only one that drinks bourbon. Nobody else drinks bourbon. So right. he knows if anybody drinks it, it's her and she's going to drink all the second all. And when she's all knocked out, he takes her into Clinton's bathroom. Yeah. And makes it look like a suicide. Yeah. Slits her wrists. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he's describing to Philip, like, oh, yeah, she, you know. She locked the door or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And, and there's a whole, yeah. Philip has a whole thing about, like, the door was locked from whichever side. And, yeah. you know, that's that's when he Columbo's the whole mess and starts to be like, I, you're lying. It's a whole well, big performance. Okay. Well, we're making it sound like that all happens together. It's, yeah, it's, you're right. It's, it's Tom's parlor scene and then everybody kind of goes like, holy shit, Lee killed Sheila a year ago, like... And then they let her go and she locks herself in the room and Tom makes a big show of being like, you know, Lee, let me in. I just want to talk to you. Are you okay? And she's like, I just leave me alone. The entire ship disembarks yeah. at, at some port town because the crew's just like, well, no boss. Yeah, Clinton's dead, so let's go get shitty. And I think on the Riviera. Some, some of them are going to stay at the hotel. Like, there's there's a hotel in whatever port they're at. and it's the Geraldo on the Riviera. Alice and Anthony true. are going to stay at this hotel Instead of, like, continuing on their port hopping and stuff. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, or, or, Philip, are you coming? He's like, I was expecting to just be on a boat for a week, so I don't have any pocket money. Right. Or, or was that... No, I was... think that's right. Okay. Yeah, seemingly all of the crew are off the boat. Yeah. Then Tom sees lights on board. Um, so somebody is nosing yeah. around. I mean, before that, he and Alice have, like, a whole thing of, you know, where he's like, oh, I mean, you know, if you ever want to get together and stuff. And she's like... Um, it's less hot to commit adultery when your wife is dead. <laughs> right. Kind of. So it all ends up being Philip and Tom on the boat. Yes, and Tom, Philip sees, is... Tom sees light on the boat. Yeah. When he goes to investigate, it's Philip. Philip is in there and he keeps turning the light on and off. Yeah. Uh, and what it is is that he is lighting cigarettes, taking like a drag, and then throwing them onto a silver platter, and then turning the light off and stomping on them. He's doing science. Yeah. He's doing he criminology. He is. He's... He, he straight up is doing criminology, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the whole, I guess now is the time I should point this out. The whole movie is fucking with you as the viewer. Yeah. It is messing with what your expectations for a whodunit are, mm-hmm. sometimes by playing directly into them, and then other times by totally subverting them. It's also part of the, again, glass onion thing that people didn't get. Where oh, I'm sorry. Bench. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to rescind that statement. Okay. Not people. People weren't upset. Ben Shapiro complained that as though anyone gives a shit about Ben Shapiro's thoughts on entertainment. He complained that the film is ostensibly one thing and then reveals partway through that it has actually been about this other thing the whole time and that that is unfair. A mystery wrapped in a riddle? Deep fried inside of an enigma? 
In this economy? <laughs> Turductective. Turductective. Fuck, we could pitch that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the climax is this, like... So Tom has his parlor scene kind of thing. But yeah. this is the actual parlor scene. Yes. Philip's doing it dumbly where there's nobody there but you and the person you're accusing of murder. Right. and But he does it... He, it's not even just that. It's that he... He's kind of figuring it out as he goes. He's kind of figuring it out as he goes. He already suspects, but as he's like reading, I guess reading Tom's reaction and piecing it together and like all these things are falling into place for him. Right. And he sort of is like starting to realize like, oh shit, it's just me and him. And Tom has been locking the doors. Right. And at one point, Philip checks the, the uh, there's like a they buzzer. There's like a buzzer down to the uh, galley. galley kitchen. Yeah. Right. For, for, you know, any of the crew that was down yeah. there. Um, so Philip checks it earlier and Tom doesn't see him check it, but Philip is like, you know, kind of has this like, fuck, like nobody responded. Shit. So then after like surreptitiously locking the doors and whatnot, Tom checks it and it buzzes and he gets no reaction, but that's good for him. Yeah. Cause he's planning on another murder. He also is partway through is like, Oh, excuse me for a moment. And he goes down into the state rooms and stuff and is, I guess, kind of like looking for a weapon and just settles on Anthony's got some puppets. Anthony, for some reason, <laughs> has these two like Punch and Judy type hand puppets, uh-huh. like Raggedy Ann and Andy kind of looking things. Yep. And he uses them to be a dick to Alice. Yeah. Where he's like, he's like, she's being really mean to you. He's like, I know. I don't know why she's so mean to me. Like, and it's like incredibly shitty. <laughs> and it's so funny. That's, he's a dick. Like he's, you know, he's what got you, a short temper. He's you get the cats to say to me all the time. Uh, do I? Oh yeah. She doesn't pet you cause she doesn't love you. I don't say he doesn't love you. Okay. Well, I just say, I don't know why she's not petting you. Okay. You're not making them talk. You're just responding as if they said something to you about how terrible I am. I'm sorry. As if <laughs> you don't hear them. Okay, son of Sham. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs? No. Oh. It's like son of Sam, but you're full of shit. <laughs> oh, because he was on the level. Okay. All right. Okay. I see how it is. Uh, I see how it's going to be here. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Tom comes back from being away searching for murder weapons and settles on puppets, which is an interesting choice, Tom. Yeah, that must have been a fun day. Between Sondheim and Perkins being like, what should you do? Should you find this? Should you find that? Be like, how about those fucking puppets? Yeah, man. I don't even. They were probably, I mean, I'm they're... pretty sure that that was their. They probably had a couple of cocktails yeah. and they were like, what would be a good. We need like a, a murder weapon. Yeah. Like, what, is, what is our melting ice dagger? Right. Like <laughs> what's, what's something that's like unique to the film? It's like, what if it's those stupid fucking hand puppets that like blankety blank had at that blankety blank, you know, whatever. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll just write a scene where for no reason the character least likely to own puppets has two puppets that he talks to. Because he's like a tough guy, like, with a short temper. And yeah. he's the last person you would expect to have two fucking hand puppets. Like well, fucking King Friday and shit. They're how he ex- uh, accesses his emotions. They're not, though. No, they're not. His emotions are also dicks. Like, that's, he's just... Okay, now you're proving my point. <laughs> Fair. All right. All right. Rescinded. Yeah. Yeah. So he holds up his, Tom holds up his hands. Yeah. With these puppets on it. He goes, I couldn't find gloves. And then he starts choking Philip. Yes. This is after Philip has delivered his like, 
So I figured out this is how and why you did all this shit. Isn't that right, Tom? And Tom's going, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think you might yeah. have really nailed me there. What an interesting theory, yeah. But he's going like, I think you might have really got me there. You know, yeah. like, and then he's like, I'll be right back. And then he comes back with those. Yeah. He's like, I couldn't find gloves. So he starts just choking him. Yeah, Philip does do a whole thing of like, oh, what happened to the ice pick, Tom? And Tom's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you were the last person I saw it with. What did he do with it after he killed Clinton with it? He just tossed I, it somewhere? Probably just tossed it in the ocean. But it's I never think. like explicitly said. No. We do see him pocket it, and then we know he used it to kill Clinton. But yeah, I guess he just removed it and tossed it somewhere or whatever. Yeah. One Examining of the, the body, that... Philip noticed that Clinton had blood on his cowl. Right, which wouldn't have gotten there from, from the injuries. Head, from the right. head wound from the front. It would have only been from the back right. where he was instabbed. Right. And I'll bet that Lee used the, you know, she used the correct piece of column to crush Clinton's head and that you replaced it with a faulty one so you could point it out. He's like, I bet if we went back to that island, the rock with this blood on it would still be in the corner somewhere. He also points out that Clinton specifically had things assigned to match up with the name Sheila. Yeah, so... Shoplifter, well, ex-con... Well, so okay. when they first get there... Yes. Yeah, also the, the photo. Well, the photo that we didn't mention. Yes. So no, we should mention it now. Yeah. So I'm gonna mention it. Yeah. So when they first get there, he's like, oh, everybody, come on, you know, come on over here, get a, get a big group photo. And he's like, uh, and he, he makes it seem as though it's arbitrary. Right. He's like, uh, you know, couples yes. split up, uh, you know, he's like, and then we'll do, uh, you know, man, woman, man, woman or whatever. And he's like, he's just being finicky. And he takes their photo. Then he, you know. Packs uh, it up on a board, b- board, near, board near the scorecard. Yeah, in the in the you know game room, the state room of the ship, whatever. Then he does his whole speech of like laying out like what the games will be every night, eight p.m. Blah blah blah. Right, Anthony. Somebody says like Philip. Is it Philip? He's like, I'm a fan of any game where I don't have to move too much. And he goes, Well, he's like, you don't have to move for this if you're smart. And uh, then he hands out the cards. Everybody gets their secret. Tom, importantly, starts to crumple his up. Clinton is like, hey, wait, 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 don't do that. Yeah. So hold on to it. We'll need it for Saturday night. So during Tom's little phony parlor scene thing, finally reveals his card, quote unquote his card. Yeah. And it's hit pr- run killer right. in a pristine, pristine condition. card, not crumpled at all. And I noticed that. But OK, for example, like continuity in movies, sometimes it's a little it, dodgy sometimes. Right. Especially, kind of important in a detective one because those little slip ups are usually part of the solution right but at the but, same time yeah who can say no at the same time oh. when they took the photo oh first of all the way they are positioned in the photo they're on a dock yeah. parallel to the fucking boat yeah but when we see the photo they are like perpendicular to the boat where they the, were they were perpendicular they were they, perpendicular yeah they are shown parallel then they are shown that's right okay where each person each of them would is... be right under a letter of the name sheila yeah. Right, which is a big clue. We will right. get we will get to it in a second. But the way it was shot, yeah. The the name Sheila was so far away and pa- like, you know, and in the distance. From yeah, the, yeah. That like it it's not going to read like that. Yeah. Also, uh one of them has I think it's Alice maybe has sunglasses on when they take the photo, but in the photo the tax up she doesn't. So the obviously it was two different photos that's not right. a reveal within the movie that's continuity error because yeah. they cheated it to get the effect they wanted and that's fine the fact that his card isn't crumpled i was like oh maybe that's just you know 
they thought it would look better if it wasn't wrinkled. Right, it's going to read better, whatever. Or they or, shot it out of order. Or they forgot that the actor made an actor's decision to, like, yeah. crumple the car, whatever. Right. Okay. But once they start, you know, especially, like, I, and, and Philip does this in his, his parlor scene, where he's like, he's like, I have the cards right here. And he's like, S, shoplifter. And then he puts up H, homosexual, the second night. Those are the first two. And he's like, we have informant, ex-con. And he's like, little child molester. That's the one that I got hung up on. Little child molester as opposed to big child molester, which, as Allison pointed out, catamite. it's catamite. So that is a thing. And I realized that, you know, Clinton needed the L in little for his little, you know, game. So he wanted, he wants all the secrets to spell out Sheila. Right. And he has them in the photo. Right. Okay, it's... The, it's the people who got the card right. pose another thing. So Philip was under S for shoplifter. Alice was under H for homosexual. Right, right. Yeah. Point is, it's so it's not that the people are under the letter representing the secret that yes. they actually right. have in real life. It was the people were under the letter representing the secret on the card they were given. Right. Right. So if so, you were smart enough, you right. could figure it out without ever going ashore. Right. When you lay out all the cards as Tom presented them, it's S-H-E-I-L-H. Yeah. For hit and run driver. Right. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Does he find alcohol or does he just guess it? Yeah, well, he's like, you know, what would A be? Arsonist doesn't sound right. That's right, yeah. He's... Adulterer, no, that's you. It's like alcoholic. Now that's something that could describe Lee. Right. So Tom is strangling Philip. Yes, with the puppets. All of a sudden. Christine. <laughs> weirdly to the rescue is Christine. With, Christine uh, has been. With the same. Um, got member of the crew that she's been making Vittorio. eyes at. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, oh, so... I mean, so... she's been kind of hitting on everybody. Yeah, yeah, Christine's DTF. Yeah. 1973. She is a fuck machine. She is like, I am ready to go. I am on vacation. I am not working, but I'm kind of working because I'm trying to get Alice to be my, you know, new Star client. Yeah. And also, I'm trying to get her this specific job doing yeah. the... Sheila Green life and death story. So like, yeah. so she comes up and she's like, what is going on up here? H- Herbert or whatever, Herman, uh, relieved Vittorio and she, and he suggested I, uh, you know, spend some time with him. Like they're straight up, like straight, <laughs> like Philip's getting strangled yeah, on the ground. And, uh, as soon as she comes in, Tom throws himself onto the couch and is like, Oh, nothing, nothing going on here. I just have puppets on. We're both out of breath. Uh, Philip's half dead. And Philip's like, we were just having a bit of a d- disagreement. Yep. And he's like, you know, it's about our new project. And so he basically says, I'm going to direct this thing. It's going to be about all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and Christine, of course, is like, oh, that's a great idea. Well, like, she also was like, oh, we were just down in Clinton's room and he's got this whole place wired. Wired, for sound. right. She's like, I can hear you talking about like they killed whoever yeah. and whatever. And he's like, yeah, well, we're going to make this movie now. And he's, she's like, that's great. And she's like, Tom, you're perfect to write it. And he goes, uh, Philip says, actually, I thought I'd hire an outside uh, writer for the first draft. Someone not part of our incestuous, incestuous little circle. circle. Yeah. It's like, but Tom, of course, would be on hand for some, the supervision, something. And uh, what do you call them? And Tom's like, rewrites. And that's so, this, for the second time, this is the second time I've watched this movie. That's so fucking funny and sad. Yeah, he's sitting that, like, on the couch like it's the end of The Graduate where they come to the realization that this is their forever now. Right. Where he's just like sitting there with puppets on his hands being like, I'm I am now trapped. Doing, I'm still yeah, doing rewrites. I'm still doing rewrites and it's like my fucking story. Right. Like in a way that nothing else has ever been. Right. And I can't 
raise a fuss because... Yeah, then they can sell me down right, the biggest river. Yeah. Right, the Riviera. Yeah. Because Philip will be like, hey, you tried to murder me after murdering your wife and Clinton. I'm like, that's fucked up. It's gr- it's so fucking, like, bittersweet, funny, sad, like, he deserves it, but it's so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, you know, it's it's not as, like, bombastic, but it's very, like, Saw or whatever, where it's like, oh, the punishment fits the crime, kind of. Sure, yeah. And it's great. It's really fucking good. And then it ends with Bette Midler's with rendi- Bette Midler. rendition Appar- of uh, You've Gotta Have Friends. Oh, you gotta have friends. So apparently that was the first time she recorded a song for a film. Awesome. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. It fits great, because, yeah, it's got this little, like... Dude, it's so funny. It's a punchline. edge, yeah. Because it starts yeah. off, you know, it's like this, like... It kind of sounds like a ballad or something. And yeah. It's like, oh, and then this thing and whatever. And then it goes like... Because you gotta have friends! And it's like... It's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. Is there anything you want to talk about? Any specific standout moments, lines, anything that we didn't get to? Like I said, this is worth a watch. I mean, it might be worth a couple of watches if you're really into, you know, the construction of a whodunit. Parts of it are like on the quippy side or on the wry side of things. Another trivia thing that I saw was that at one point, uh, Lee is talking about how Oh, God, I'd die for a bath, but Clinton's got the only one in his room, and that's where she dies. Yeah, wow. You know, and so there are definitely, like, bits. Like I said, like, I didn't think about this until the second time we watched it, but Philip really, like, yeah, was there for a lot of key scenes where he was the only one that could have put this all together. Yeah. Because Anthony and Alice were not there for... Any of it. Any of it. Really. And Lee is dead. And Tom did it. And Clinton is dead. So, like, you know, most of... Yeah, you're whittling down your options. Right, exactly. Uh, I take issue with uh, Clinton's use of the slur, the old pizza slinger that I have running this boat for me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. As a pizza slinger, I can say that. I, the dialogue in this is really good. Uh, it gets better yeah. on second watch. I enjoyed more of just the dialogue. Yeah. Because the first time you're, you know, it's a mystery. So you're parsing out everything and trying sure. to analyze everything for clues and whatever. But yeah. I also thing- wasn't taking things, you know, like, again, it, it's us watching it, you know, like 50 years after it came out. It was 73. You know, getting uh, the flow of... Even just the rhythm of speech from the 70s is different. Yeah, because yeah. uh, it's so weird. They show up and they're like, hey, baby, jive turkeys. But, I mean, you know what I mean, though. Like, And then Casey and the Sunshine okay. Band performed for five minutes. We forgot yep. to mention that. But, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I caught a little more of, of what yeah. was happening. And also, you know, the second time you watch it, you have more of an idea of who the characters are and everything. So, like, I, I don't know if I noticed the first time. Um, Tom starts trying to talk to Clinton as Clinton is getting ready to go prep the island for night two. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clinton says, uh, my boy, let's not let this topic degenerate into discussion. Yeah. And I was like, that's fucking funny. Yeah. And then immediately after that, he's like, look over there. And he like points out the island and he's like, you like it? And he's like, yeah, it's great. Clinton, he's like, yeah, tiny, tiny islands fascinate my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what a weird fucking thing to say. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's just so strange. I loved it. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yes. Sheila's barely in the movie. Lee is kind of 
a non-entity, you know, throughout most of the film. Mm-hmm. But I think all of the other larger performances are really fucking good. Yeah. Again, uh, this is like the thing that I know. I, I think I've logged like three or four movies with Richard Benjamin on Letterboxd. I might have seen him in other stuff. Mm-hmm. But really like his performance in this. Yeah. Um, he's like a weaselly Clark Gable. Sure. Um, which I dig. Uh, it was a good, you know, and Coburn's great. I, as I said, Diane Cannon, I loved the whole time. She's maybe my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's fun and she's great and she comes out on top. Yeah. She's having it all, baby. Yeah. Wheeling, dealing, and also uh, boinking her way across the French Riviera. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're in the voting stage, so I'll say, like, I think this is a great watch. Having one now watched it twice within, like, about two months. Yeah, it's really good. It rewards second viewing because um, it's very twisty. You think that the game is the thing and the movie knows you're going to think that. So it has Tom do his whole parlor scene in the second act, which is like way too early for this parlor scene. That's because the movie's not actually about that. That's not what's happening. And some of the things you've now seen are false. It spends the third act revealing all that to you. And it shows you what the movie was really about. And like, that's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a fun, engaging, you know, sequence of events. Like, a, it's a fun ride to be taken on. Very surprising, very twisty. Uh, if anybody listening is familiar with Last of Sheila and can recommend other... Things like it? Yeah, anything that's... I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, the same vibe or the same, like, level of twistiness, but, like, just this, like, oh, this kept me on my feet the whole time. Like, didn't expect this or that or what? Like, recommend it. Right? Hey, watch, great watch. W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W-Gmail.com. Like, please. I also say great watch. So yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I love I love this kind of stuff, and yeah, like I said, um, this is a good one. Yeah. Okay. Double great watch. Yeah. Last of Sheila. Yes. Thanks to Liz Locke. Yeah. Recommending the, the cocktails, they were great. Yeah, it's a very Lee cocktail. It is. She drank a lot of bourbon, bourbon. and she smashed that corpse. It's true. In the face with a candle holder. With a candle holder. If you want to get in touch with us. As I've said a couple times throughout this podcast, write Hey Watch Great Watch. That's W R I T E H W G W at gmail.com. You can find us uh, through our link tree. It's L I N K T R dot E E slash H W G W. That will get you our Movie John page. That will get you the widget for Apple Podcasts and Spotify and whatever, you know, all those. And it'll direct you to us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram. We have new episodes every other Wednesday. That's every Every other other Wednesday Wednesday on Movie John and all those other places. And please consider donating to the Movie John Patreon. It's patreon.com slash movie J-A-W-N. Patreon will support us and other podcasts and writers and zines and everybody. It keeps the lights on metaphorically, even though everybody by necessity also has jobs. Yeah. But one day through your generosity, maybe some of us don't. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe some of us just write for you and then it's money enabling art. That's true. That's, (laughs) that's the, that's the dream. Uh Uh-huh. Bye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm I don't make the rules. I just read pornography.
This has been a Movie John podcast.